Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Self-Healer Soundboard. This week's episode is a bit of a personal one that was inspired by a recent episode of ours, Intimacy is More Than Sex. I've received a lot of personal DMs from women and some men, though largely women within the community who have discomfort or challenge or difficulty when it comes to sex or even the conversation of sex. A lot of women identifying themselves as even asexual because there is no sexual desire or sexual intimacy that is alive for them, whether with just themselves or themselves and their partners. Now, this is something that is very personal to me as well as I myself on my own journey in my own life have come to those same points where there seems to be a complete disconnect from any desire or any sexual intimacy. And I started to notice a pattern in the DMs that I was getting from these women. Most of them, dozens of them, are women who had previously reached out and told me how much they'd resonated with certain things I'd shared or certain points of my story or my childhood. So when shares around intimacy and sex came up, it made perfect sense for me to see the connection that these women then had where they also felt similar in that category. They felt asexual. They felt discomfort being intimate with another. A lot of them also felt like this was just them. And it still astonishes me sometimes that someone could think, oh, I I thought that I was alone in this. I didn't think anyone else experienced it. And yet at the same time that I was reading through these DMs, I realized that there was still a part of me that thought, oh, this must be me. There must be something wrong with me. I'm in a loving, trusting relationship, yet there is this sexual discomfort at some points. And I started to realize that the person in me that these women saw within themselves was and is a series of relatability of past patterns, conditioning, coping mechanisms, and traumas. All of those things combined, which are what created a byproduct of this sexual discomfort or this fear of intimacy. So we really just want to bring that conversation to life. Sex is a, it's a natural human act, and it's something that we spend so little time talking about and almost has become somewhat taboo in our culture. Absolutely, Jenna. So to speak to your point, sex is a universal drive that unites us all. I mean, it's why all of us are here. Um, on this planet right now. We came from that level of bonding. So whether or not, you know, we we reduce it to our instincts or not, there is an expectation quite universally that sex is part of our relationship life. Now to speak to, again, another very beautiful point you, you're making, which is that just because we all share that in terms of our biology, our physiology, and even our bonding, our drive to bond, doesn't mean that it's an easy act or that it's a comfortable act. And I think a lot of us put an expectation on ourselves. We hear messages around sex and how frequently we need to have it and how it needs to be when we're having it without realizing that our relationship with sex really is grounded in our relationships, meaning our relationship with ourselves first and foremost, with our body, and then with the ability to be safe, safely connected to another person in that intimate act. And as we speak all along and you know as we'll go into in this episode here today, there are many patterns, many reasons that begin in childhood that keep us disconnected and then keep us unable to maybe fulfill this expectation that we even might have for ourselves about being a sexual being or 
being able to comfortably connect sexually with another person. We as humans are incredibly and naturally inquisitive and curious beings. So whether we're paying attention to it or not, we are all heavily influenced by the media, the culture, the society around us, the movies that we see, the narrative that is out in the mainstream world. We've all been influenced by that since we were children. And it has, whether we're aware of it or not, created and instilled a lot of the beliefs, a lot of the conditioning that we have, which is why so many of us, usually in adulthood, when we get to this place of, you could call it awakening or simply choosing to say, I want to be conscious. I want to be present now. I'm going to consciously create a life. Well, when you first begin doing that, the first practice is to actually witness the life that you currently have, the one that you've ended up with until this point, and to be able to identify and start to break down all of those beliefs, all of the stigmas, all of the conditioning that we do have. So when you see ourselves surrounded by this hyper-sexualized society, it's very easy and very common to see how we automatically compare ourselves. I'm watching, you know, these movies over here and seeing this glorious relationship or environment, or I'm reading a news article online that says a healthy relationship is means physical intimacy X times a week. And I go into a comparison mode of, oh, well, that expert over there must know. Instead of doing the real work of tuning back in to me and understanding where I'm at, what makes me tick, maybe why sexual intimacy is difficult for me, or maybe in a moment where it's not, why that is, what have I put in place and what have I worked on to now allow myself to feel comfortable being authentic and intimately connecting with another. So what we're talking about here, as we often talk about, Jenna, is a form of presence or consciousness. Right. Sex is a, a physical act. I don't think anyone listening can argue that. It, it involves a physical body and sensations that happen in that body and hormones that are released. And so to be in our bodies is, is a foundational aspect of being then in that moment of presence to be sexual with another person. So what do I mean when I say that? If we don't feel safe in our bodies, if in childhood we were overwhelmed emotionally, or maybe we had physical violations happen to us, chances are we left our bodies. And when we're not safe in our bodies, we can't be present in our bodies because safety for us is somewhere else. It's in our mind. It's on our spaceship. It's somewhere else entirely. So even the act of being physical with someone else needs to be grounded first in safety in our body because our nervous system is actually involved in a sexual experience. Our nervous system needs to signal to our mind that we're safe enough to relax. We're safe enough to be fully present to the changes in sensation or stimulation that are happening, which means first and foremost that we're safe enough in our bodies. And some of us, speak to your point, and both of our lived journeys simply aren't safe in our bodies. So of course that's going to translate then to either I avoid sex entirely or I disconnect, I dissociate, I get lost in my mind when I'm sexual because I'm not safe enough to be fully present to what's happening. And so many of us do that. I remember being a teenager, quite young, but I think around 14, and listening to, I think it was maybe on the Oprah show or an interview or something, and it was with some sex expert. And, and granted, I don't know if most 14-year-olds are listening to this type of stuff nowadays, though. I also come from a childhood where I was my own parent. I was I was supervising me. So 
listening to this episode for whatever reason, I remember this sex expert talking about certain clients that would be in sexual acts or would be engaging in sex with their partners. And they would just essentially be laying there thinking about their grocery list or thinking about their to-do list in this autopilot, just completely away. And that's exactly what you're describing. If you're over or out there in your thoughts, you're not present. You are not here in your body. And that's wildly understandable if when you're here in your body, there's these physical sensations of, of fear. For me, being sexually intimate and present with another person in certain situations, that it that itself felt violating. It felt violating to actually trust that another person wasn't just using me. And I noticed a lot of this too. In the years that I spent dating men, there was a direct connection with me that I'm sure in some ways is connected to my childhood, where I could never get to a place of accepting or believing that these men in particular genuinely cared about me or weren't using me or using my body for some reason. And that's really important to note because I'm certainly not throwing men under the bus here. Each of these people that I'm mentioning are what I believe very incredible, genuine, amazing human beings, male, female, however anyone wants to identify. Yet for me, there was such an association of distrust there. And when I really break that down, okay, well, where does that come from? I can remember back being in childhood in grade school, somewhere, I don't know, second, third, fourth grade, social services came to my school one day, pulled me out of the classroom, brought me into the guidance counselor's office. And I remember sitting there with these, you know, a man, a woman, might've been a few other people in just their suits with some notebooks, laying out on a table, essentially like storybooks and pictures of children or drawings of children wearing little bathing suits or tank tops and shorts and specifically asking me, has anyone ever touched you in these places? And pointing to, you know, the little girl in a bikini and saying, has any, has your mother, has your father, has any adult ever touched you there? And I remember being so uncomfortable and so shell-shocked. And for me, I'd pushed away a lot of memories. There are still a lot of moments or a lot of years, I should say, that span from my childhood that are like a black hole and an abyss to me that I just don't recall. And I know for good reason, I likely don't recall them. Though there was so much stigma around this fear as a child, so much stigma and concern of my mom, you know, convinced that my father was abusing us in some way and vice versa in their custody battle. My father would say the same thing about my mom. And I look to my parents and their childhood and my mother and I think, okay, well, there were clearly things going on in her childhood that had her again repeating a cycle of fear that something must have been happening to me. And all of that discomfort, that association, people in suits asking me these questions, I absolutely carried that into adulthood and just had such an interesting relationship to sex. I never had a desire. I never had any sort of draw. If I was with someone, I am very attuned to my body. So there's absolutely moments or there were periods when you know, there is that just sexual intuition or that connectedness with a, another human being. And I cherish those moments. So even Nicole in our relationship with Nicole, myself and Lolly, there have been, there's a lot of learning that's happened over this last year where 
I've actually gotten to a place where I've become fearful or moments when I felt entirely asexual. And even I was thinking, oh my gosh, is there something wrong with me? I'm now trusting. I'm with people who trust me. I trust them. I trust myself. Like essentially I've got it made in my life. So why do I have no connection? Why do I have no desire to be with these people that I love so much? And the truth is when I chose to fully dive into my body and be vulnerable and intimate, I was taking on all of these physical sensations and being hyper aware of them all at the same time. And that in itself became incredibly overpowering. So I would just shut down and not want to connect in any way. I think what you're describing here, Jenna, and I really appreciate you doing so for all of the listeners is what results in then the shame that we carry and all of these messages flooding in saying, you know, oh my gosh, of relief even saying, oh my gosh, I'm not the only one that feels this way. Because even if we do feel real unsafe in our bodies, even for those of us who really struggle to connect with another person, we still hold ourselves up to this expectation. And maybe we even heard again from experts from the media that sex is this place where this ultimate connection lives. So if you just continue to engage in sexual acts, then ultimately you can rebuild that connection. And of course, that's just simply not the case because to be able to be intimate with another person, we have to be safely in our bodies and then feel safe in that vulnerable space of opening our presence, opening us ourselves up in the presence of another human being. So this is where that mismatch happens, where we're still, many of us are still having sex, doing physical acts with another person, and we're coping with that lack of safety, that foundational lack of safety, in the same ways we've always coped by, like you said, thinking about our grocery list. Um, you're touching on something else that I think is very, very common, being so hyper-focused in maybe our bodies or in the experience of another person. And I've heard from millions of clients who would talk to me about, you know, their lovers, their partners, or whomever it was that they were having sex with. And the only thing they were really focused on through the act of sex was how is this other person experiencing me? Are they, you know, having fun? Are they coming to climax? Are they having an experience? No focus on me at all. And again, we can understand that by that hyper focus on someone else, maybe in childhood, was the only way that we could find safety. So now we, after the sex act is over, we carry shame with us because we weren't in our bodies. We don't know how we really felt about it. And maybe we didn't really feel safely connected at all, yet we did the thing we always do. We found safety in our thoughts, in our mind, in this focus on someone else. Yet we leave that experience with that core feeling of disconnection, anywhere from disconnection to shame. Carrying that shame or what we're talking about here as a lack of desire or for everyone who reached out or DM'd and said, you know, I think I'm asexual. Feeling as though you're asexual does not mean that you're not having sex either. I think that's important to note is that so many people do just go through these motions, if you will, quite literally, because it's what they're supposed to do or because it makes their partner happy or it's a familiarity. Maybe it's something that is familiar to them that they haven't ever truly enjoyed. And that's where that presence comes in and that self-witnessing comes in. A lot of the time, if we are going through the motions of something and we're disconnected over here on a spaceship, 
we we likely could be betraying ourselves unconsciously or consciously betraying ourselves. Maybe it is to appease the other person. We we know and we hear all of the feedback for just how many people pleasers there are out in the world. Well, I think if everyone listening could stop right now and think, you know, was there ever a moment that you sexually betrayed yourself and your own boundary to meet the need of your partner or to meet the need of another and to please them. Or as Nicole's saying, you know, being hyper aware or concerned about the other person's experience. I know that was absolutely me. I just, I looked at sex sometimes as this just hyper anxious concern of, oh my gosh, it's taking too long. They're going to get so mad because it's taking me too long to enjoy this. And that whole period would be spent up here in my head, not connected to the other person. So as much as, as sex is an act to connect with another person. So of course there's some natural attunement to the other when you're, when you're engaging in a sexual act, it really does begin with that self-connection first, because if we don't feel fully safe. If we're lost in our mind, we might not even know how we feel at all in that moment of a sexual act. So to speak to betrayal, a lot of us might, and maybe we even have partners who are talking more regularly about sex or their desire for sex. And then the people pleasers out there, you know, feel this pressure to meet our partner's needs. Now, of course, both parties needs or however many people you're in a relationship with <laughs> needs, you know, can be a point of discussion. And, you know, it is important to hear, you know, how everyone is feeling in terms of their sexual satisfaction, but that doesn't mean that we need to overstep our own boundary. And the reality for a lot of us is we don't really even know what our limits are or what our desires are because we really don't spend enough time in our body. So for those of us, and this goes asexual, when we talk about that concept, what some of us do because we're so disconnected from our body and we don't feel that desire, even though it might be there, we start to entertain that idea. Maybe I'm just not sexual being. Maybe I'm just, you know, that's not part of my journey here. And a lot of times, again, it's because we're just so disconnected from ourselves. So the, the pathway isn't to continue to throw ourselves into these, you know, intimate sexual acts. For a lot of us, the pathway back into our body is by learning just how to be in our body, befriend our body, and maybe then extend that and do so with another person. It might start by hand-holding, by a massage, by something that's not as intimate as, as sex itself, but by just learning how to be present in my body while I'm with another person who might also be present to my body. And the more I cultivate then that safety, the more I can begin to build a bridge to opening myself up more vulnerably in, in sex itself. But a lot of times we need to build that bridge first. We need to first befriend our own body separate from another human and then begin to create safety in that space between us so that I can receive your touch through holding my hand and be present to how that feels for me. And then I can, if it feels like too much, I can communicate that to my partner, my friend, or whomever I'm doing this exercise with, and I can learn my zone of safety. And then that's going to help me not just dive right into the deep end and start having sex and expect myself to be present and safe in my body, especially if you're resonating with all of our conversations so far, that's not going to happen. We need to create that safety in our body through maybe other physical acts, both with ourselves first and then with another human. You said something there about learning and 
learning yourself, your own body is going to be your first stepping stone in any sexual or intimate relationship, whether it's a sexual relationship with yourself or with another party. I know for me personally, if I'm not physically feeling good, if I'm not feeling confident, if I don't have a great body image about myself or I have low self-worth, nothing about me is emanating this desire or attraction or this confidence. And that's not to say, oh, it's not emanating. Like it's not going to attract the other person over there. No, that's for me. If I'm not creating that, the weather around me is sort of dark or gray or sunken. I'm not feeling it. So if I'm not feeling it, or I'm not connected to my body or feeling good within my own skin, then I already know if I'm to go throw myself over there to meet my partner's needs or just to engage in this act because, you know, it's, it's common and it's normal and I'm supposed to be sexual. Well, if I go do that, then it's just more betrayal. It's me diving more into the deep end. And for those of you who are listening, if you're listening to this podcast, if you've been tuning in or you're just joining us for the first time, you're likely interested or curious in some way in this world of healing and self-healing and transformation of consciously creating and expressing your authentic self, the inner you out into the world. And when you begin that journey, which begins by being conscious, by being present, you're very likely witnessing your body. As we say, you know, you need to drop into your body, witness yourself physically, well, the first time that you start to become aware, it can be incredibly overwhelming. I'm 35 years old. And while I've been on this journey for years and years now, I still struggle with this sometimes. And if I were to just tune in today and become aware, you better believe that everything I'm experiencing is completely going to overwhelm my senses because I'm so present to it. Everything that I would just hop onto my spaceship over before and just float away and allow to occur within my body. I'm now here for, I'm now paying attention for that can be very scary. There can be a lot of new sensations that come up. So it does actually take learning yourself, learning what feels good for you, not even just sexually, but what environments, what comfort do you self-soothe? Do you, you know, rub your hands or even rub your arms? Sometimes I give myself self-massage and even realize that I'm doing it subconsciously or just innately because I needed soothing and I'll suddenly just notice that, oh, I've just been rubbing my arm or I've been rubbing my heart. Those are all ways for me to be present and create that comfort in the moment with my body. So then when I am choosing to engage in sexual acts or sexual intimacy with another, I'm not doing it from this scared place anymore of just going through the motions. It takes a lot of work and it's certainly is very confronting at times because the basis of sexual intimacy for me now in my life is emotional intimacy. And that connection is the driving force that allows sexual intimacy to be something that's actually sustained. When we meet someone new, we all have those, you know, those fireworks and that draw and that sort of fiery passion. There's all of these hormones coursing through you. Well, over time, a lot of that sexual desire and sexual intimacy does and will start to dissipate if there's no foundation underneath it. If there isn't an emotional connection or an emotional intimacy, which means me being present and intimate with myself first, 
then the second later will eventually fall away because there's no foundation of support. And when you're talking about being in relationship with yourself, whether it's our body or our our emotions that live as sensations in our body, I really want to emphasize here, we're talking about being in our body, not how our body looks in a mirror, not the criticism that a lot of us feel when we're looking at our body and maybe imagine what others think when we're looking. We're talking about actually being in our own body to welcome the possibility that some things could start to naturally feel good. Or maybe we do have the things or the touch that we use for self-soothing that could be a start point. That's being in our body, not gazing upon our body like many of us do. So the question becomes, how can I safely rebuild my connection to me? Because not only do the sensations of physical touch then or touch of another live in our body, so do our emotions. So before I can even share with Jenna what I'm feeling, I need to be in my body. I need to be feeling what my body is feeling in terms of its sensations before that can be communicated. And that means that life in a body. And for a lot of us, that is the foundational journey to sexual intimacy that is then a byproduct for most of us from that intimate connection. And again, with that complete disconnection that most of us are living in, we're not in our bodies. We're living in our minds. We're living from the outside in how we imagine we appear to other people. So we need to build that bridge to experiencing ourselves as ourselves. It honestly is so odd to me just how taboo this topic of sex seems to have come in our world, in our society. Even that episode, Intimacy is More Than Sex, that was the title of it. And there were a couple of comments that said, you know, this title is clickbaity. And we had a little chuckle because I'm like, well, you're not wrong. It is clickbaity. The intention of it, though, is just that was a representation of what the topic is. And if that was clickbaity, then I'm glad because the word sex, I imagine, is what draws people in, is what drew people to even come to a conclusion that, oh, that's clickbait. Well, why is that clickbait? Because it's a flashy word. The word is just sex. It's that we make the conversation about sex so uncommon and often so shameful and so awkward. So of course I'm getting all of these DMs from women that are thinking, oh my gosh, I thought this was just me. I had no idea. Well, why did they have no idea? And why did I even think, oh, this is just me? And you know, there isn't an inner knowing or a deeper part of me that thinks, okay, if I'm experiencing this, then there's got to be millions of people because I'm experiencing a human journey. So whatever experience it is that I'm having, I already know that there's millions upon millions, if not billions of people in the world going through that same thing. And that's exactly why I choose to be incredibly open and transparent. And Nicole, I feel you are as well, because it's through my own experience and sharing, that's the only way that I'm learning. And when I go to share that, I see the connection of so many other people that are dealing with that same thing or having those same conversations with themselves. And I realize underlying, underneath even the topic of sex is the courage that it takes to even speak outward. And I will bring that full circle into this conversation because 
How could you in a sexual act with another or in with your partner, your lover to have sexual intimacy? How can you expect also the other person to know what you like or to know what you want to make it a satisfactory or fulfilling or even comfortable experience for you? We spend so much of our day to day lives, you know, with clothes fully on, even in the boardroom not expressing our true selves, not having the courage to speak our truth or to speak authentically. And many of us need to spend some time first, even understanding and uncovering what our truth is, which is why I believe it's so important, whatever your takeaway is from this episode today, to just simply begin having a public conversation about it, to have a really shared openness and connection amongst our humanity. The only reason our humanity continues is because we reproduce. And the only way we're reproducing is by having sex. And somehow we've buried that so much in a shameful way. And I think it's time that we really take the conversation about sex back in our own hands and start having conversations like you and I, Nicole, are having right now that stem from sharing our own experience. My human experience and my personal journey, I commit to sharing with each of you, even with myself. And I have my entire life has been nothing but experiencing something, sharing it outward, because that's how I found my community where everyone else's pings start to go off and say, Oh, me too, me too, me too. And you start to realize when you do share and you continue sharing that all of those me too's start to eventually span around the world. And you do see that flickering light in me that is also the same one that's in Nicole over here, that's in Lolly in the other room, that's in all of these listeners, all of you who are here listening. Sharing publicly, you know, might be for some of you out there beginning to share with a best friend. It might not even be with your most intimate partner yet. It's whoever you feel the safest with. Because again, to speak your very beautifully made point, Jenna, if we have this expectation, right, that our partner just knows what we want sexually, we're going to create a situation of disappointment for us because we all are in different bodies, different things feel good. And then again, if we set an expectation for ourselves to be able to communicate when we're in this very vulnerable, open space of the sexual act, yet we're not communicating about sex anywhere else, again, chances are we're not going to live up to that expectation. Things will go unsaid. We won't be able to speak with our partner. So it is about practice, practice talking about sex, because the large majority of us for cultural reasons, for society reasons, we didn't grow up in a climate or in relationships where sex was talked about. It might not even have been acknowledged in some of our homes. So again, we have to become proficient with talking, talking about sex. And it doesn't mean talking publicly like you and I are here doing on a podcast. Like I said, it means finding that safe space, finding that person that little by little you can become vulnerable and then translating that comfort into our sexual environments with our sexual partners. Though, again, if we're just hearing this podcast and maybe hopefully a lot of you are resonating and having some awareness doesn't mean then that it's going to become easy. doesn't mean that in the middle of your next sexual act, you're going to say this very vulnerable thing that you've never <laughs> once said to your partner. Chances are you're not. This is where we go back to the conversation you and I revisit often, which is it is in the practice, in the embodiment of 
a safe relationship with our bodies, of that inner knowing of what physically feels good for me and emotionally where I'm at. So that then over time, very gradually, I can walk through all of the discomfort and fear and begin to then share that with other people, creating an emotional bond that then allows me to safely become receptive to that really vulnerable sexual act. And of course, none of this is an overnight journey. All of this is for some of us, our life's work. I truly believe that we are here to be in relationship and the large majority of our early relationships just didn't feel safe. So our journey now is how can I safely be in relationship with me so that that I can then be connected to others in all of the ways that I want to connect. And it's why you and I show up here week after week, episode after episode, and have these conversations. Um, It's for me an exercise in comfort, in learning how to be comfortable talking about uncomfortable topics, because I grew up in that same home. Sex was never ever talked about. The physical body really wasn't even (laughs) talked about. So the fact that I'm now here in front of however many you are out there listening, talking about this for me has taken this type of practice that I'm sharing. And the key consistent word that I heard so many times there is talking. And before, while we're suggesting, you know, having those open conversations with maybe it is your partner, your lover about sexual intimacy. Well, before you even have those conversations, just start having conversations. I think the baseline here is that we need to begin practicing how to communicate with others. And we do that by doing that. As Nicole's saying, if I'm just expecting myself to suddenly be in the moment of a sexual act and, you know, express my deepest, most vulnerable self, my body's going to go into complete shock and complete shutdown because I've done none of the legwork to get there. I haven't set myself up for success in any way. So beginning to just talk to the people around you, to communicate even before it goes external to another human being, spend time with yourself. Learn what it is that you even need to communicate or what is true for you. That communication is so crucial. How we're communicating to another is the only way we can expect them to receive us. So if I really want to speak honestly or authentically or I want my partner to really get me, well, then I have to get me first. I need to do that legwork and to do it consistently, which is honestly an act of love. Me showing up for myself every day to just even witness and observe my body, or maybe I spend just five minutes in a quiet meditation, just just being, just noticing the sensations in my body even. That's me learning. That's me essentially doing recon of who is this human being and this human shell that we call Jenna? Well, the more that I know me, the more I can articulate that to Nicole, to Lolly, to my team, to everyone around me in all aspects. Then I start to really align and create the life that I want because it's directly created from the word that I'm speaking. So before we're diving knee deep into these sexual intimate conversations with others, when we've never spoken about sex with anyone external before, just start talking, start maybe journaling, asking yourself questions, just discovering you and being in connection and communication with other humans. The more we do that, the more we see our likeness and just genuinely communicate presently, 
the less uncomfortable and the less odd and scary conversations like sex are going to be because there will be such an innate deep connection of your hearts, of your humanness that will have both parties or all parties understanding that, oh yeah, well, that's a common act. I got here because two people had sex. So knowing ourselves begins with another word that we continue to revisit, presence. When we're talking about taking time away, that doesn't mean I might be alone physically, but I'm in my mind or I'm worrying about what I have to do next, or I'm worrying about my partner who I think I upset that morning. Presence means presence and, you know, dropping into our body, learning how the energy feels from the top of our head to, to our, our heels, our feet, really just being with our bodies. Like I was talking about earlier, being embodied. So really beginning to pay attention because a lot of us might have time carved out for those moments and maybe I'm alone naturally. However, I'm on my phone or I'm lost in thought or I'm just in a daze, right? So really removing the focus from wherever my attention might be and beginning to reconnect with my own presence. And that's how I can begin to hear what is real for me, what my body is saying, what emotions I might be feeling deep down. If my attention is elsewhere, I'm never going to open myself up and be receptive to my own communication. I continue to use those words, open, be receptive, because again, it really comes from our body, our safety. And a lot of us in our minds aren't safe. We've created, we've brought our past with us. We've applied it as a filter. And if we're lost in those thoughts, we're going to then be living in an unsafe experience in our bodies. So for most of us becoming present to that moment of silence, that moment alone, checking in, how's my body doing right now is that presence that we're talking about, that embodied presence that then over time will allow you to open up to what messages your body is sending you, what things are coming up for you emotionally, what can you then begin to experiment and talk or communicate with someone who's safe about. For those of you who are in relationships with others or in intimate relationships, remember to have compassion for yourself and also for the other person. There's, you know, maybe two, three, four, however many people are in your relationship dynamic. We also, it's of great benefit to us, I should say, to Begin learning how to hold space for that other person. What does that mean? Just allowing whatever their reality is, whatever's coming up for them to be, not critiquing it, not judging it. If I'm over here having a really hard time, maybe a lot's coming up emotionally for me. And, you know, in the last couple of months, I've been in a, an absolute period of grief. We're doing a lot within our business. There's a lot happening all of those things also factor into very greatly my sexual drive. And that's a conversation. That's something for me to just get clear on myself and think, okay, are you feeling really stressed out right now? Are you anxious or overwhelmed? What's going on? How's your body feeling? When I've sat over here and I've taken note of really where I'm at, or maybe there is some deeper emotional thing that's kind of, kind of lurking behind the surface, when I allow that to come to surface and actually spend time with me, I can then go to my partners and say, hey, this has nothing to do with you. It's not personal. I'm really struggling right now. My resources, my physical resources, my emotional resources are really low and really drained. I'm not feeling comfortable. And that's also an opportunity for me to create such intimacy in my relationship that then is actually and could potentially have the byproduct of actually making my sexual intimacy 
that much greater and that much more fulfilling because I've taken time to pause. And instead of betraying myself and just appeasing my partner, I've actually taken a moment to get responsible and say, hey, Jenna, what's up with you? Are you just not feeling it? How, how are you feeling? What's going on? And then being in a transparent, committed relationship that I choose to be in, that's full of communication and conversation. It is all laid out on the table. And that's because that's what I've created for myself. It took work to get there. I 100% believe that every human being listening to this has the same access to get to that place. It just takes consistency. And so I'll speak for being on the other side of these communications. If Jenna were to approach me and say, you know, my resources are low, I'm just feeling, not feeling it right now. That moment of authentic communication helps me to feel then close to you Um, because we are so attuned that, yeah, you can be saying things objectively and maybe betraying yourself and yesing me or whatever it is that you're choosing to do in that moment. I'm still feeling, Mm -hmm. we're all still feeling what's behind the scenes. I'm feeling that disconnection in your body is no, I'm feeling it. So it's relieving to be on the other end of that communication as well, because we all have that like inner knowing that ping that's like, you know, maybe hearing what she's saying and she's going along with these motions. So something's missing. So there's incredible relief then when someone is able and when I've participated in that as well, right? And I continue to work to create a space that Jenna can say whatever it is that Jenna is thinking or feeling to me, and I can hear it and I can receive it and I can allow it to be. And that's an action I've taken. And once then she's met me in that vulnerable space and told me whatever it is that's happening for her, I might even feel relief in my body because I felt it all along. And now the person in front of me is showing alignment, is giving words to what maybe both she and I were feeling that again, increases that bond that increases the likelihood that sometime down the line, (laughs) when our resources are back and replenished, that that might then translate into a physical act, a joining of a more kind of traditional sense of sexual intimacy. And again, all of that was a process for us to get there. But I did want to highlight that our bodies are speaking, right? We can tell on some level, even if we can't verbalize it, that our partner is disconnected, that their mind is somewhere else, that there maybe is a feeling that we're not hearing about. And that can continue to keep then us in an unsafe situation because we're seeing or we're perceiving a mismatch, right? We might have a partner going through motions and maybe it's sexually or in any aspect of life, really. And if their internal world isn't aligned, there's a sense that we get. So again, these honest communications and why we have these conversations with all of you in public in this way is because that is what intimacy is built on. We're all feeling all of these different levels of energetic connection in addition to what we're directly saying to someone else. And the more aligned we can make all of that in our lives, the more than aligned we're living. There are likely a lot of people listening to this right now who are in relationship who I know might have already hit pause and are thinking, oh, I need to go bring this to my partner. (laughs) Because really, the truth is that it's my partner over there who has the issue, who needs to fix and change themselves. We all do that by default. I know when I started my own healing journey, all I wanted for anyone around me was to do exactly what I was doing because it was so profound. It was me creating and discovering the person I wanted to be. And that truly, that's why I do the work that I do. That's why I'm here. That is what I want for everyone. And I do believe that we, it is our, that is our true nature. Our deepest and greatest intention is to 
want the other person to have that fulfillment and that true connection and love. So for all of you who are thinking of your partners or maybe you're not with a partner and this is just, it's just you right now and you're thinking of the future, it to me is incredibly attractive or I find it incredibly attractive to have a human being who is in their own skin, who speaks their truth in a mindful, compassionate way, and who knows themselves, who can communicate, who can articulate. Now, the only way that I'm going to invite that into my life or create that relationship with another is if I actually become that. That's the embodiment piece. I'm going to attract what it is that I am. I'm not attracting what I want. I am attracting a vibrational match for who I currently am. So for everyone who is so excited to share this with their partner or partners, we love that and please do. And before you do that, remember that anything that you're wanting over there or anything that you're aspiring to have or be in relationship with another has to first start with you. You are responsible for becoming and being the very vibration or frequency or person around you. I like to think of it as the weather around you, as if I'm in a a bubble or an orb. Whatever the weather around me is, is what I'm attracting. So if there is this emotional intimacy that I want, a sexual intimacy that I want in my life that feels lacking, or maybe I am one of these listeners out there who, you know, is single and is wanting this relationship in their life, this committed, transparent, authentic relationship. You can absolutely have that and you'll have and create that by you first becoming the very thing you're seeking. Because when you become the thing we're seeking, what we're often becoming is in alignment, which is safe right? Everything goes back to safety. So for all of you listeners who have all the things now that you want to tell your partner, you know, you may maybe do have a partner that you don't feel as emotionally connected to or as physically connected to, and you want to create that bond. That means the work for you in addition to living in your own alignment so that what you're saying, how you're living is in alignment with that deeper place. Like we were just talking about. It also means then the concept or the words you and I often use are holding space, being a safe container, being able to then over time as your partner does open up to you hear emotionally where they're at. It might be uncomfortable things that you're hearing. And then the goal is how can I stay safely regulated to hear all about my partner's internal world so that that bond of emotional connection can translate into a physical connection. So our responsibilities to all of the people out there that we want to change or wish they see or hope them to be different in some way really, again, begins with us becoming a safe container, being someone who can hear whatever it is on someone else's mind or whatever even desires they want sexually and to hold space for that without reacting, without denying, without arguing that they shouldn't think, feel, want, or do that thing. How can I become safe so that in that contained space, then emotional bonding and intimacy can be built. And then that can translate into how I can be safe in a more physical, vulnerable space of sex. So as we're getting ready to end and on this note, really honoring, um, I think this came up and I was talking with Fiza actually last week after we had just had a Fiza is a member of our team for those of of you who don't know. So we had a workshop in the self-healer circle and her and I had a minute's touch base afterward. And it was Africa Brooke came in and it was on self-censorship and 
in the comments, in the members, there was so much dialogue, vulnerable sharing that was happening. And so when Faiz and I were touching base afterward, long story short, she was like celebrating the workshop and, you know, how intimately connected everyone felt and the synergy that I could just feel in the room. And I took that as a moment to acknowledge Faiza, to acknowledge then through Faiza, Brittany and you and our team and the space that the community has created, because it does take a safe container for then the members to feel comfortable enough to begin to share vulnerably. So that same safe space that exists in the circle exists here. I mean, I can speak for myself, but one of the, the main reasons why, you know, I feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable and to have these conversations, not ones I've practiced having since childhood, very new ones to me is because of all of you listeners out there and this safe now self-healer soundboard community that we're creating that allows me the ability to be vulnerable, to bring these conversations to a more public table. So I want to honor all of you listeners out there for the work that you are all doing in holding that safe space for Jenna and I to come and have these conversations that hopefully continue to benefit all of you on your healing journey. Speaking of community, we absolutely love hearing from you all. So if you would like to share a review with us on Apple podcast reviews, we always look there. And the best way to really interact in real time with us is on our YouTube channel. So we record the Self Healer Soundboard episodes every week on video and upload them right to our YouTube. If you search Self Healer Soundboard or The Holistic Psychologist on YouTube, you'll see that channel come up. And as soon as an episode is released every Sunday, it also goes live on that video. The comments underneath that video, Nicole and I are always constantly checking and refreshing. The same with our DMs on um, Instagram and social media. So head to YouTube, leave us your feedback or your comments, your questions. We really want to continue cultivating a communication and really what is a safe space for you guys. What we speak on is yes, what we're dealing with in our day-to-day -day lives. And that always comes in alignment with what it is that you are all dealing with in your lives. So we'll always keep the conversation going and engaged with you in real time. Head over to our YouTube and leave us your feedback and comments. That's the best place to reach us directly. As always, looking forward to continuing this conversation with you next episode on Self Healer Soundboard.